Hi, Jeremy. Hello, Raph. Hi, Al. Uh, yeah. Um, immediately this week, we wanted to talk about Facebook. It's, there's really... You just jump straight a, in. It's such a big thing. Other than that, uh, my life is as usual. How is yours? Uh, yeah, things are okay. I'm just about to head out to Chicago for a week to work with um, my artists, lean artists. Oh, yeah. Uh, how, how much longer is that project going? Um, it is a long project. <laughs> I'd, I'd, it's been like a year-long project. It'll culminate in June. So there's like still a, a few more months, uh, but pretty much have to finish all the work in the next eight weeks. So And in June, uh, there's an on. exhibition. Yeah, there'll be an exhibition in Chicago at the Museum of Contemporary Art, Yeah, uh, which uh, people um, would be happy to see you there. Is that part of the big uh, web show, the, the yeah, big internet yeah, and show? We'll do like a demo day per, or performance day um, f- as part of this my project, which should be fun on, on the opening day of the exhibition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny, I, I always get, uh, I just did a talk and then I often say, oh yeah, people ask about success and all that stuff and uh, I'm never included in these web surveys for some reason any mm. any survey of internet art for some reason uh, I don't incl- I don't fit in mm-hmm. so whenever people say oh you're so successful it's like I don't think I'll be in the history books I'm just excluded from all those catalogs hmm. uh, so I don't know how many websites I have to make to be included <laughs> in the internet show but <laughs> one day I'm just putting it out there I don't think that that's true because there's been things that you've been included in that uh you know i think there's like a it depends on the curator well, there's there's, curator there's the boston in boston there was just a big survey of digital yeah, and I art i wasn't uh, included in, in that in, Lo- in london there was a big one which is the same curator as the chicago one i guess yeah yeah, yeah that's right but, but I, I think- it feels like every every digital art exhibition starts with jody that's everyone agrees <laughs> yeah and then you move to social media and then everything in between is kind of confusing and you uh, and Joan just had her birthday, Joan. Joan oh, yeah, yeah. Did you make a, a little bit for that video as well? Yeah, but I bring that up because uh, Dirk, her husband, um, a partner, uh, sent like an email to like every internet artist and asked them to record like a video. And you were in that that group, that curated group. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm always with it. I love them. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you're part of the family. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it just, it just feels that, it, I don't know how history works, but it feels like it starts with one or two big survey shows, and that's the catalog, and then all the other curators riff off of that. They're like, okay, these are the official, these are in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it can feel that way, and I feel like I've already, you know, I've been left out, um, because I've never been in the, uh, I've been, you know, I've never been picked up in the, like, the next level down. So it'll be like, oh yeah, you, I get into one of those every once in a while. Yeah. And then everyone's like, why is this guy here? And then <laughs> so it never, it ne- it never <laughs> yeah, gets yeah, picked yeah. up by like, you know, the next level down. But yeah, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, yeah that's why was, I always, but did the, maybe this is a message to the listeners, but that's why I always did things like BYOB or curated mm-hmm. things myself because if okay if i'm not invited i'll publish things myself and, and etc yeah, but it's a it's yeah. a good topic for us to discuss at some point which is like yeah this uh feeling of being left out and actually it's probably a good segue into facebook or it, it, oh like, yeah it is you know because yeah. it's like intentionally being left out like or leaving yourself out of something yeah um mm-hmm. for those that are like hot maybe well, hiding under so rocks it, or whatever so what happened this week or the last week and even two years ago is it uh, turns out Facebook is not so careful with your data. 
Yeah, we kind of, surprise, I mean, surprise. I feel like every yeah. European is probably waking up being like, what's the news? Like, <laughs> did yeah. we talk about this 10 years ago, then two years after that, then yeah. two years after that? And like, but but it, yeah. is, it, it is an interesting question. And when people say data, I was thinking, okay, there's data and there's data. So in the case of Facebook, it's mostly party photos and news articles you liked. Mm-hmm. And like birthday parties and things like that. And so it makes a profile of everything you do. And then there are apps on Facebook. And they gave those apps a lot of access. Yeah, it reminds me. And I think Facebook had, I don't know. Like, here's my like cute way of thinking about this. That Facebook forgot what it was trying to do five or six years ago. Because they were trying to become this like gated version of the internet. Where there were applications built inside of Facebook. And on top of Facebook. And they would be the one login and you just use them for everything. Yeah, because they're trying to solve this problem, which is like there's no identity on of the internet. There's no standardized standard for identity on the internet. So Facebook would become that standard. So they could have been like a a password manager in a sense Mm -hmm. and just very strict saying, okay, we'll we'll save all your logins, which would make them very useful. But they're like, we're not only going to save all your logins, we're also going to show all your photos and your uncle's photos and their coworkers' photos to whoever you sign up for with your password. Yeah, so they basically, and I can see how this could happen. Like they, they allowed, they allowed these companies to get access to a greater scope of data than you, like more than your data. Right? It would be like your data plus those that you know, kind of thing. And that helped them grow very fast. Well, it allowed these companies to collect. Well, specifically, we can just call it out Cambridge Analytica to collect. Um, more data than, yeah, at a faster rate uh, than and was so previously the, possible. It's kind of like marketing research where before they would either use a private investigator or send questionnaires and be like, what kind of car do you drive? Right. Uh, what newspaper do you read? And then they can put you in a category. It's like, okay, this is a rebellious teenager. <clears throat> this is a conformist working father. Uh whatever stereotype and they they have 12 categories or something yeah yeah i mean yeah marketers have been doing this for years in various degrees i just think it was the scope and scale and speed at which it happened i I remember this marketing video from the 80s and they were looking at all the different categories and so you think oh no i'm special i don't fit in a category and then one of the categories was like a surfer who lives in his van and avoids society and just goes from beach to beach that was one and the other category was sort of a post-punk guy who was like starting to work but he came from punk and his name he had a name and his name was rob noxious <laughs> his new usual name was rob and he's like yeah fuck society and they had a video of him with sunglasses and spiky hair and he's like yeah fuck it but i still buy stuff <laughs> <laughs> well yeah I, I mean personas um or this in advertising yeah this idea of like archety- an archetype that you're trying to reach um it's pretty much it's pretty well accepted that said in product design, personas were like a, a big thing for a while, but they're kind of a dirty word now because what they do is they kind of gloss over, um, the, they're like superficial details, basically. Like, no one, like what, what sunglasses you wear or surfboard you own is yeah, like irrelevant yeah. to it, it how It seems well. like if, if you look at a company level, it seems that Apple's doing everything right and Facebook's doing everything wrong. Mm, interesting. In, in terms that? of, in, in, well, the way Apple will appeal to subcultures or teenagers, mm-hmm. they're not saying like you're this or that, uh, uh, but you can use the iPhone for whoever you are. Mm-hmm. 
and they always put privacy forward. They're like, okay, you're going to pay a little more, but we're not going to share your data. So all, all those decisions uh, mm-hmm. look even better now. Yeah, I think the more young people use Android phones than iPhones. Um, yeah, yeah. Statistically, that said, one thing that's interesting. Yeah, Facebook could have gotten to the phone game. You know, they tried to launch a phone with HTC. It's it's funny. Like, they have limited themselves considering how much money they have. I've always found it very interesting that they've held back from like trying to do more. To do um, hardware. Well, they tried uh, the Oculus. Yeah. I guess they have the Oculus, yeah, and they're trying to. They, you know, the, it seems preposterous now that like VR will be the next social platform, but um, yeah, that's you know they they have this speculative roadmap. But but uh, um, so when it comes to privacy, yeah, yeah, let's get back it, to what, privacy. What, what what I mean is when <clears throat> Apple has a thing where you can have a medical ID, so if you get in a car accident, they can access your phone and see what blood type you have. Or, I, I don't right. know how you are it, it right works exactly, but, yeah. but but like which company out of all the big companies, would you give Google your medical idea or Apple or Facebook or Tumblr? Okay. Yeah. So this is a very early good point that you're making is like, why would you choose between private companies to store your most precious data that normally would be stored by a government, right? Like, Well, I think it's all weird because it used to be your medical ID was at your doctor or your hospital in physical form, I'm talking about before 1960, sure. before the facts. <clears throat> and it would yeah. be a card, and it would be there. And you might get in a traffic accident on the other side of town, and they might make a mistake because they don't know what blood type you have, and there's a rush. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so slowly we're moving towards, hey, it's useful if this information is accessible, but at the same time you don't want uh, your insurance rate to go up or your visa be denied because somewhere someone found your data. Yeah, I mean, I can speak firsthand uh, from working with different companies that uh, use AI and algorithms to determine whether people, you know, should be allowed to use their credit products and stuff. Because I work in fintech, right? And most of the time, though, they're just like using an algorithm or more increasingly like some uh, AI or machine learning based system that's making predictions. Um, And it's funny, like I was talking to a friend this week. And, it, you know, this is in the financial product space, but she's like, actually, there's like one of the fastest growing products uh, in government in the U.S. is this thing called a black box. And it's for judges and it predicts whether um, someone is likely to reoffend so that they can make a decision about the sentence. Oh, that's so minority report. Yeah, it's literally like the precogs in minority <laughs> report. She's like, judges yeah. love it because otherwise it's a subjective decision. So what they're doing, and I've always often talked about this, which is like they're saying they're they're delegating the responsibility that they have to figure out a complex, um, you know, the solution to a complex problem to a machine assuming the machine knows how to solve that for that complexity. Yeah, and the machine was designed by humans. Exactly. And so, of course, all the training biases are there that, you know, yeah. all the biases... Oh, you're from a poor neighborhood. Yeah, you're probably going to do it again. Exactly. And yeah. there's what in when I did sociology, you know, that would be a form of social determinism, which is to say, like, it's self-fulfilling or self-feeding. Um, and it, so, and you, create, you create a, a predictive class of, like, okay, we're going to... This, well, you, this person yeah, is probably going to commit crimes again, so let's put him in the criminal neighborhood. So that, uh, yeah, you create a feedback. The rich loop. people are, are not. Yeah, yeah, and so that that ah, kind yeah, of yeah, 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 yeah. yeah <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, it's, so that 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 all that makes Facebook 
look pretty insignificant if they're sharing your birthday party photos with other parties. But that's not, yeah, why yeah. people are upset, really. Oh, so, so Facebook's, I mean, we should say people are punishing Facebook pretty hard. So, like, their stock dropped 15%, which is a significant amount in one week. Um, and this delete Facebook uh, hashtag is trending. Yeah. Elon Musk, you know, it's so funny deleted me, his my, Facebook My Instagram f- feed is full of people de- saying delete Facebook. Yeah. And obviously, the, Instagram is owned by Facebook. So well, the former CEO what are you trying to do? Even the former CEO of WhatsApp, uh, yeah. he, he deleted his Facebook account. Yeah. His company was bought by Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, it, I was thinking, that is ironic to complain at a Facebook company that Facebook is bad. But it is still a gesture saying, hey... Facebook basically has four different strategies. They have a mm-hmm. chat app, and if you share images there, it's very private. Mm-hmm. They have Instagram, and it doesn't track as much of your behavior other than what photos you like. So by d- deleting one component of Facebook, you still are sort of voting on the direction of the entire Facebook ship. It's true. I, I think so, you, so you're voting yeah. for two of the ships out of three, and, and that way you're, sh- you're steering the fleet somewhat. Well, it's interesting because this comes like a few weeks after Facebook sort of redid um, the feed to like be less uh, about a news, like having news source media, you know, news media companies be in your feed um, to more about like close friends and family, right? Well, be, it, yeah, you know, but, but when, when, you, when you think of the idea of clickbait, obviously mm-hmm. Facebook is the clickbait place. That there's, but I bring, it, uh, yeah, no, I it, agree. I, I bring this up because like um, they've been. But what I'm trying to say is whatever yeah. ideological uh, measures they take, their ground algorithm is like make people click. So whatever's the We're craziest scroll. shit gets the most clicks. So mm-hmm. the, it, w- it, even if they enforce more privacy rules, the whole algorithm is like searching, is like trying to make people click. I actually think they don't know. And the whole house of cards is collapsing right now. And um, basically, you know, the, the big critique uh, this week was that Zuckerberg didn't have, didn't speak for five days. Right. And on the matter, he, and he didn't know oh, what man. to say. And then so, he, did you see him talking? I haven't seen live uh, video. I, I saw the video and he's just, he has this robot voice to begin with. Yeah. And then he just avoids every question. It's like, yeah, we're looking into it and we're putting our best people and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, like he's like uh, Devos it, it, or whatever. What's there? Uh, he's like he's just not. He what Elon Musk said, which is a bit of pompous of him, is like that Zuckerberg's just not that bright, or he doesn't really understand the issues. Well, it, that- maybe this is the funny thing. I think at his core, he's probably a genius computer guy, but doesn't understand people, and so he's at the wrong company. He would be much better at a company that was either fintech or it, it may be something that's trying to solve efficiency problems in Amazon. I don't think he's a people person. I think it's interesting to consider this because um, if you look at his investments, and I say his, but it's, I mean, he's part of a collective, but he's surrounded himself probably with people like himself. Then he's making investments in uh, the, all this future tech like AI um, and virtual reality. And he's been, a, he's been talked about how he's a self-professed tech optimist. Uh, on many occasions. And so he's technology first, not society first, but he's created this platform, which is the largest social platform uh, on in the world, right? Um, with more users still to this day, even with people deleting, than any other platform in the history of uh, humankind, more than any one country, right? Um, and he, that's way beyond the scope of his understanding or ability. 
and his interests. And his interests. And it's not like, like there's he's like just a ch- really not chief sociology in... officer no, at Facebook no. or something, right? So, no. But it, it, it seems uh, also you could say, okay, Facebook has 2 billion users, but it seems like most users maybe use their Facebook login for WhatsApp and Instagram and spend way more time there than on Facebook. Well, like, it, what's it, the... it just seems for my friends that Facebook, because people now, uh, the, the, the hashtag delete my Facebook is not so hard because nobody cares about Facebook anymore. Right. Like, if, you, if, if Instagram would do something, it, here's a little story about Instagram. Like, I was so sick of this uh, muscle memory that I'm constantly refreshing it every time I pick up my phone. It's like, oh, let's see if there's something going on. On Facebook? Yeah, I know, on Instagram. I, I deleted yeah. Facebook already. Uh, I haven't actively used Facebook for years, and I deleted the full account maybe a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but Instagram, I just love it. I just think it's a great product, and just seeing images of what my friends are doing, I think it's great. Um, but I was annoyed with the muscle memory thing of it's constantly refreshing. So what I did is I uninstalled the app, and only if I would upload a photo, I would do that through the mobile browser. And so it kind of like, oh, I only check it once a day now. So I was trying to do that. Mm-hmm. So I did that for a few weeks. And like every morning I log in. And uh, uh, and at some point it said, oh, username unknown. And I started like, oh, getting a little nervous. So I tried to log in on the on the desktop. And it says, yeah, username unknown. Like, oh, shit. Huh. So I thought, okay, uh, what happened? And I'm it, like, there's no support page. But I was thinking any business, and an artist is a business too, that's like your main marketing tool and your main outlet and your main connection with people. All I'm saying is I felt this giant rush of like, Anxiety. oh, this is, yeah, and this is really, I was just calculating like, okay, I could be completely independent and have a blog and create my own social media, but nobody is on that. And I just felt this dependency. Mm-hmm. I was just analyzing the dependency. Um, and so... All I'm saying is uh, there's no open source alternative that, that mm. is as user-friendly. And, that, and maybe that can't... We, we spoke about open source, but the problem with open source usually is that it's not user-friendly. So that's why open yeah. source won in the server space, which is run by professionals, but can't win in the consumer space. Yeah, and was so that, it, yeah. The, the open source alternative of Instagram that's not tracking you and is just as user-friendly... Mm-hmm. What is it? I don't know. Oh, I, I mean, I, I think we've talked about previously. Like, you, you can't go very far back because you get to, you know, you get to Flickr, and then before that, it was like you were just yeah. uploading. No, but, but I mean, we all love the idea of the web, the World Wide mm-hmm. Web. It's not owned by anyone, and it's open, and but it's a very inefficient tool to share images with friends because mm-hmm. it's, it's like there's so many different standards and there's so many different ways of accessing things mm-hmm. and then well, it's funny because um uh just as like a funny anecdote on the side like but the, maybe to close my point is delete yeah. my facebook is easy delete my instagram in the art community yeah i, I let's see how <clears throat> idealistic people are well i think you're right that instagram is like inheriting the earth uh i was looking up last night i was like what happened to tom from myspace and Tom, like, I, th- you I think Tom? he's traveling the world, right? He's yeah. Just, like, so like, sharing I looked photos it up. of his amazing life. I looked it up, and it's like everything just linked to his Instagram profile, and it's like he just has you know, these ridiculous photos of different <laughs> landscapes, and he's always and really in misogynist, or something. like yeah, <laughs> like there's just women in bikinis and stuff. It's a very weird. It's like a, a geeky version of Dan Balzerian. <laughs> it's really cringeworthy, <laughs> yeah. actually. 
Um, but the thing I want to say is that there are some alternatives. I was I was at a, a friend's office who develops like apps for um, different, you know, like for different clients. No, no, but I just want to get this out because there's okay. a, there are like there is a, a there are different alternatives. Um, and he he mentioned he's working on this app. Um, and it's not really an app. It's more of like a social network for the state of Vermont. And in Vermont, this this platform has become so popular, but it's basically um, like a bulletin board, but it's geographically limited. So you can o- the when you open it up, it's limited to your geographic area, like your little county or city. So it's your or IP number. Yeah, and you can also look at the bulletin boards. Think of like Craigslist or something like that. But so um, it, it looks a bit like BBS. It's really the roots of the. Uh, it kind of looks like Reddit, but it's yeah. geographically limited. But the reason I bring this up is because it's run um, as like a public trust by like in, the government's involved, and it's like it's very the, very high engagement. Like almost uh, every Vermont citizen uses this platform it doesn't look great like you wouldn't you wouldn't be like whoa that looks like facebook you'd be like whoa that looks like the internet uh, maybe like 10 years ago they're trying to improve it but they have a pro- you know the, the the thing is really interesting like it's curated by hand like there are people who are moderators do you remember when that used to happen or it still does on reddit or whatever so there are like these human moderators that go in and they they you if you post something they have to like they have to approve yeah. it like a human approves each post I just found it very interesting because yeah, it, the alternative it, it, to Facebook yeah. is our cities and governments running. I don't. I don't know. Like it social seems spaces. Like creating an open source Instagram clone doesn't seem that hard technically. No. But then Instagram will keep improving and make it stickier and more. Well, this enticing. is the thing normally, right? So, but this company um, has a business model, so they do. Like there is a way. Uh, that they make revenue to improve the product, um, and it, it's not like it's a not-for-profit type of uh, product. But so it, I'm just saying, like, it is sustainable. It doesn't have to be yeah. the way it is. There are the, there are this idea of platform cooperativism and, that I brought and, um, up previously. When it comes to privacy, so yeah. we we understand that it, that's one thing that's funny to me is when people share data on Facebook, uh, yeah. and then they get targeted. It's like, why are you not using AdBlock? But I guess most people are mobile, and you can't really uh, have any ad blocking within the Facebook app. But it's not even that that's the big issue with the Facebook Because thing. It's But just that, that was like, the thing like, with the swaying of the elections, the targeted yeah, but, ads. Yeah, but think about how upset people were with the Equifax you know, credit. Yeah, uh, that's re- a crazy... Yeah. They're really right. sharing your social what, security number, and they can create a fake identity. Yeah, but what, pe- what people are concerned about there, yeah, is exactly this, which is that <clears throat> my identity... Is at risk if you know if the internet is where my you know again going back to what Facebook originally proposed is will be the identity of the internet and then they're like yeah yeah you can have the identity you can have the identity. <laughs> it's like, hey, what's your identity it's like Oprah then, yeah. then they've broken like the the core trust uh, you know the core uh, yeah so promise, so, right? so at this point it seems that people uh, would rather share family photos on WhatsApp. Then on, uh, and, and this might sound weird to people in the U.S. because they're all on iMessage or something, mm-hmm. but anywhere outside of the world, people use different chat apps. And in Europe, they mostly use WhatsApp. It's basically like iMessage, but and that's where everyone shares photos and lols and videos, and people have groups. Yeah, and, and I think that's it's why basically tele- what Facebook groups was. But the, yeah, um, and fa- I mean Facebook owns WhatsApp too, and Telegram, yeah. of course, is like very similar to that in that. Anyway, Telegram mixes that with Slack, so there are channels. It's like, um, 
it's chat and channels and things like that. Yeah. It's more closed. It's encrypted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but maybe what I was trying to say is that um, you can have two points of view. And the first one is that social as a whole is bad and it's addictive and distracting. So you should mm-hmm. quit it. Mm-hmm. And the second one is like, no, it's beautiful to share images and be up to date. But uh, are there open source alternatives that don't sell your data and don't... Uh, and what I think was we're in a very Cause, interesting Because it's, it's weird that when you're sharing photos and then you're like, oh, that's an interesting article. And all of a sudden, uh, you're being targeted to politically divisive uh, articles. But you made a good point earlier when you said that, like, you know, it was really Apple versus Facebook. And if you look at that, it's really about the ideologies. Let's strip away the companies and the ideologies that are really... But it's also play. the business models. I know, but I'm just saying, like... But now, it's it, easier to have an ideology if it matches the business. I'm yeah. The, well, the point I'm trying to make is that the ideology is now paired with a value proposition, which is like the public is going to start to demand. You know, the problem has been created within the category, so now there's a problem in the category itself. So, like, if you're a, if you're developing a product, you're trying to solve that problem, right? Yeah. So you could go to market with something that is incredibly private. So Facebook has an opportunity right now, which is like but- we're gonna we're gonna like redesign. Right, there's only have two. There's only one path, right? If this is the the biggest problem and people agree, and they're like, nope, no way, I'm using a, a platform now if it's not secure, private, encrypted, da 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 da, right? Yeah. So they they either have to totally you know pivot, or they have to convince us that privacy doesn't matter. Which well, one it's do you funny, think they're going to choose? The same with Uber. There was delete my Uber for a while, but you don't mm-hmm. hear about that, and so people get so you think riled it's up. It's just going to blow over. Well, I think it's already happened that when you have photos of Let's say you're a teenager or in college and you have photos mm-hmm. of a party, someone throwing up and they're drunk. You're not posting that on Facebook. Everybody knows that your employer could look at Facebook and like run into that. But you still mm-hmm. want to share a funny photo. It's like, oh, look how drunk I was. Right. So you're going to do that. My question is, how much it, uh, WhatsApp is encrypted end to end? Do they know anything of the messages that are being sent in between of people? I mean, apparently, apparently, if you talk to like a you know tech savvy you know or ha- hacker type hacktivist type person, they'll say there's no such thing as end to end. No, no, but I mean more practically, to... like what data? Uh, so let's say that you're because if what <clears throat> my point is that if social networks go more in the direction of chat apps mm-hmm. and the chat apps are encrypted as as much as that's possible, mm-hmm. what what business model do they have? What's the business model of WhatsApp? Well, I mean, it might be the same business model that Dropbox has because it just becomes like a place where you store. But what's things. currently the the business model of WhatsApp? Yeah. Well, the, uh, actually, that's a good question. Do they sell ads somehow? <laughs> I well, they have I one thing where where businesses business can be models on, are tied to Facebook. But it, one model was that businesses can be on WhatsApp as a channel, so as a support channel, and you can chat with them. Oh, right, right. Or right, you right. can order a pizza through WhatsApp or things like that. And mm-hmm. um, but like iMessage, it's pretty clear that Apple, the whole idea of it is that they don't want to know what you're sending around. Well, they want to sell hardware, right? Yeah. That's, so they have mm-hmm. a business model there. But for Facebook, mm-hmm. it's curious if they still read your messages and then tie that to your other identities and then are better at sending you targeted ads there. No, but this or? is the that's why th- I'm saying this is a whole collapse like the whole va- the whole uh, the whole business model everything can collapse because But I think from a branding point of view nobody's deleting WhatsApp. 
Yeah, uh, but I think if the Facebook can't figure out how to get control of this, they'll first of all, young people are not adopting Facebook, so that's why they love Snapchat are, because it, it it's well, ephemeral. Yeah. But they are adopting Instagram. Like what Facebook might end up doing is it might be like ten years of slow decline. You know, as the population of the platform ages and no new people sign on. <laughs> or it's like, it's like the old people home slowly the population is dying <laughs> so slowly but remember it's been around for 10 years in a popular context yeah that's 10 a, years on the internet is like 70 years long, in real that's life. a long time yeah. um I, and i remember the social networks that preceded it lasted less than you know less than five years all of them right it was like two years for yeah Fenster, but the big difference know, is that they still have other components like uh, whatsapp and instagram that are still kicking like, have you checked out what Elo's trying to do these days? Remember Elo who came along trying yeah. to replace Facebook? No, what are they up to? So, so crazy. Like, they pivoted to become the this, like, basically um, agency for creatives. Uh, and so it's like it's a like, portfolio network? So they say, and it's a very classic strategy, by the way. They, so they focused on, we're, we're going to be the social network where the most creative, artistic, uh, designy type people are. And... The reason I know this is because they send me emails as like a creative director saying like, hey, uh, can we talk to you like the, like sales emails about like Ello and like getting access to this incredible network of creative professionals. So they're like LinkedIn, but for creatives, uh, which mm. I find very interesting. So and it's a classic strategy to specialize in a market niche, like a specific vertical niche like it creatives. Is, but it is interesting when you look at it from a why why do we need that if the web already exists? Everyone well, can have a website. And somehow, exactly, yeah. yeah. But somehow no, the web I, is not networked enough. Compared no, but to what I find networks. funny about it is like you were talking about the business model. So Elo, right, facing a crisis of like, oh no, we don't have enough users, tries to attract you know, now this creative user or that's what they figured out they had. And then what, are they, what, what is their business model? Oh, we'll sell or these users, almost like a gallery sells artists right we'll say we're representing them almost like a stock photography website um, and who's and paying is it the, the the artists or the agents? so i would i would pay if they connect me with a creative yeah. that does work they would okay. take a cut so they become this like um temp agency which I, I, it's really interesting now if you like throw that back on facebook and it's like what could facebook do right because they've been this content platform therefore advertising was the only thing they could do but, yeah but yeah, they yeah. could they could what they really are, what we're finding out, is they're actually more like a temp agency where they're selling their users. So they out. don't have privacy issues then because everyone wants their information to be readable. I don't know. Like LinkedIn, for example, no one's like upset at them if there's a privacy breach. Like, great, my resume got seen yeah, by more yeah. people. Or well, like that's that. the difference. Like, there's a difference between a medical ID and a photographer's portfolio. And if the yeah, photographer's but I was, portfolio so leaks, there's no leaking. You want it to be seen. Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. For that reason, I wasn't upset by this Facebook breach personally because I was like, oh, I've always used it as a self-promotional platform. Yeah, yeah. Right? Same, with, same with my Instagram. But I, I do think, for example, if my Gmail got breached mm-hmm. and it has uh, a lot of tax documents and passport scans that I email to people, that would be a big deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you, that's considered like something that you sell. And, almost and, and there's there's an interesting point that email is an open protocol, and I ran my own email server for years. Like mm-hmm. it was normal if you had a, a domain name and a host, you ran the email there. But there were all kinds of problems. Like certain messages didn't arrive, or I would get too much spam. And at some point, I started using Gmail and like import my domain name email to Gmail. Yeah, and the, now the I fully thing, switched yeah. to Gmail where I even want people to email me on the Gmail domain because some messages at the newrafael.com didn't arrive. Yeah. And so 
again, and, and I'm just saying we're power users. We're, we grew up with, not that I can program myself, but we're at the top percentage of people who are aware of the tools they're using. But you're making a really good point, which is the killer app for email wasn't email. I mean, that was the first killer app. It was the actual message. But the second killer app was junk mail filtering. Because, you know, like, which is exactly the same. One of those open Facebook source problems. In. Yeah. Yeah, but Facebook's in the exact same position. What did they do like a couple weeks ago? It's like, oh, the news feed is like cluttered with like stuff that's manipulating your mind. I, you know, right? Like, what are we going to do? We're going to filter that better, right? Hmm. Um, and so the it's really interesting, I think, in all of these cases, because the, the technology progress creates new problems. So it's like, it's like problem making applications, basically. Like, yeah. And, and uh, you're, you're pretty deep in the Google ecosystem. Like all your emails there. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And how do you feel about them knowing so much about you? Like, and I also link several applications into my Google so to, like, track my trips or, like, um, like you know, just yeah, suck so data. Yeah, w- so when it comes stuff. to privacy, you probably have doctor's appointments, dent- dentist appointments. Uh, so your yeah. calendar is there. You can know a lot about a person from their calendar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then it, it there's probably tax documents or your social security number whatever you have in canada like Mm -hmm. if if someone got access to that they could do a lot that's right (laughs) and so (laughs) yeah i don't feel great but but google doesn't have a business model where they have to sell that data to other companies or do they do they sell profiles yeah yeah yeah. well they're still an they're still a advertising uh platform right like there's that's their their business model is built on advertisers not on users i still i I really want to encourage anyone if you want to make a gesture like a fuck you to the man then just install adblock it's not that hard you know, I think sixty percent of uh, internet users use an ad blocker yeah, at this time. So like it's main, them. it's pretty mainstream. Yeah, yeah, and and that, that's really one way to it. Really, uh, messes my with thing the is always model. my thing has always been to just corrupt your data. That's like so change your gender or like a, change your name, change your age, just anything that would be demographic. Just mess with them. Yeah, just mess with that. I, I don't know. Yeah, it, so I was always on the side of like especially on a social network why would you care about privacy because you're putting it out in public and maybe the mm. way we use it it's not just we don't have a, an, we're not hiding information from potential employers no that's a good point like if you went down to union square and you're like i love christina right like if you yelled yeah. that out it, you'd be like of course people know that i love christina right like uh, i'm sure they know but there are some little... there are some people who say i don't want people to know what restaurant i go to and, and it's right but yeah, for me, there's a big difference between. Uh, it, it gets tricky though because, for example, if you travel to the U.S. as an artist, mm-hmm. and you don't have a work visa, but mm-hmm. you go to to do an exhibition or you're DJing or whatever, mm-hmm. and then they ask you at customs, "Oh, what are you doing?" and you say, "Oh, I'm here to see friends." Because if you mm-hmm. say I'm DJing, then they say, "Well, go back to your country. We don't want you." Mm-hmm. You don't have a work permit. You can't work here, so we can't offer you access. But what they can do is, and they they're allowed to, is go on the web and search your name, and then see, hey, it says here at this venue that you're DJing tonight, so uh, that's work. So we can't let you into the country. Mm, I've never so, had that happen. Do you know? No, but it it it, it, hap- it and, and I'm saying with immigration and medical information, yeah, 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 I get the, it. the privacy thing becomes very real. Yeah, no, I, I, I've often Or if you're applying for a mortgage and they're like, well, we see all these drunk photos of you, you don't seem like a reliable person. Like, it's not a problem until it's a problem, is what you're saying. And, yeah, and suddenly, yeah. And suddenly, like, everything's there. I mean, I think it's actually more about 
um, not, it's not about what you are posting and are conscious of posting that's at risk here. It's all of the stuff that you're not. And that's why in Europe, I think it's you know much more mature in that um, they have these standards where, and I can't remember the title, but it's like, is it like GPRS or something where yeah. you can like, where you can basically request um, that any company, all of the data they've collected about you. Yeah. Um, it's also, it's, it's, it's very, um, you see the business model in the country. Like in Germany, there's no speed limits on the highway. Mm-hmm. Guess what's the biggest industry? It's cars. Mm. Oh, They're really right, into right, right, making right. cars. So, <laughs> and so it, since uh, Europe doesn't have any of these companies uh, like Facebook or Google... Mm-hmm. They're going to be more restrictive because they're not losing any business model by restricting them. And then in the U.S., they're like, oh, no, these are our best companies right now. The car industry is dead, mm-hmm. but these uh, these geeky guys are making our country look cool, so we're not going to restrict them too much. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think um, that's definitely, that, 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 that definitely makes sense. I, I just think it's... It's interesting because you can't request, like at, at FreshBooks right now, we're trying to become compliant with that law, like to operate in Europe. We have to be able to, and it's like a standards thing. Another standard that we have yeah, to comply I, I, with. I heard people at tech conference saying, like, if you get your product passed in Germany, it passes everywhere in the world. They have the strictest laws. <laughs> but like the thing, like the public's often like, oh, these the red tape, it's going to get away in these companies. And actually... It does, from working inside a company, there is a cost to becoming compliant. But I will say there are other compliance bodies that the public doesn't know about. Like even to accept someone's credit card on the internet, you have to become PCI compliant, which is like the credit card industry's compliance rules. And like I can't, I don't see why you wouldn't have, just like in Europe, like compliance rules in America for like how you collect data and why the government wouldn't set that up. I just don't, I don't know why you wouldn't do that. yeah, no, it's like, it's, it's also funny that, for example, there's a in Europe there's a law that you have to accept on the website that they're recording cookies. Mm-hmm. So right. so you get a prompt and saying, like, is it okay that we do cookies? But of course, all the nasty companies, like when you're torrenting a website, they're not going to comply with that law. So the most dangerous people who are tracking you are not going to comply. So it's like right, all right, the right. good guys are like, is it okay that we're good? Sure. And all the bad guys are like, yeah, whatever, just join. <laughs> yeah, but we're talking about a, a, the largest company almost in the world, Facebook, yeah. right? Like one of the largest companies in the world. And so do they? So they're not, not like Trump, where they say I'm the biggest, but they're actually poor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do they? Do they not have at least some responsibility? You know, that that's I think what what this all comes down to, right? Which is like they they acted in with reckless irresponsibility in regard with the tr- public trust that they. Yeah, and, and that goes back to the sort of how these companies are started and they're like break stuff and ask for permission later oh yeah right right and, and so run fast and break things as well. yeah and so them. that was fine when you're making an image sharing platform but then all of a sudden it's like hey this is tied to your employer and your credit score and yeah hey this is tied to voting and hey this is tied to and you started off as almost like a college prank I mean, yeah literally it started off as a college prank but also it's like now like we were critical of Putin just got elected, right? Like what for his fourth term. So he'll I love he's Putin. Been in office, what are you talking about? <laughs> he's been on in office like fifteen or eighteen years or something. But like Zuckerberg's been the CEO of the world's largest so- social network for almost as long as Putin's been a you know, a dictator, basically, right? So like 
why you know, why would we, you know the world is all up in arms about Putin? Why shouldn't we be up in arms that like hey why is Zuckerberg the CEO? Why who why can't we elect? Well, there's a difference. Companies are not elected. Yeah, it, well, the only exactly. way you can elect is like, choose a different it's, product, but there is no other product at that scale. Aha! Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. And so you're getting at like the really good point, which is like because the way uh, the value of any network is only as good as the number of nodes in the network, or or rather it's it's tied or correlated to that, right? Like you're not going to be on a social network with five people and none of those five people you know, right? It's not an interesting network. So the early internet was like that. But for most people, what made Facebook valuable is that everyone was there, right? Yeah. It, I just keep thinking about open source. It's like, yeah, everybody's there, but also everybody has an email address. So why do we but need an email a social address- network? Because yeah. it doesn't allow a third party, like with it does through CC and BCC. Like, why well. why hasn't anyone made a chat app that is based on email and email then, protocol? Yeah, and so it, it you you have regular emails and then you just have chats. You add someone with their. But I think the problem with the source is you would get you would get so much junk mail. I think it's not only that, but I think it's yeah. Well, a you know, there's no way to filter who can and cannot send you. Yeah, and right. and that's uh, like the the basic problem with the open web. Like, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, b also, I think that the protocol is quite old and it's sluggish. Like in like re- uh, the reason I never I switched to Gmail is because like my own email server would be like ten minutes between messages. I'm not going to wait ten minutes to yeah. get a reply to like uh, hey. There where, must where be by now some good. Uh, reliable paid for services that take care of email without you having to be on gmail i don't know i mean gmail is just so incredible it's really from a technical from a user perspective it just does everything the good point you're bringing up that you've brought up previously is like open standards deserve more attention we should probably be investing in open standards and encouraging or rewarding companies who do yeah but the the open standards should be better than the closed system and then people are like sure like when firefox came out it was faster than internet explorer so mm -hmm. the the idealistic point people don't want to sacrifice convenience but Mm -hmm. they're like oh this renders the page twice as fast yeah yeah i'm down well, you know, like in uh, one of the alternatives that I've heard talked about is like this idea of a, a data trust or an open standard for data storage um, that's not held by any company or state. That's just like so an, basically an open platform. Like the W3C sort of body. Yeah, that would con- that where everyone's data would be stored, but you could let the controls for access would be in your control, and the yeah. standards body would maintain that data and the integrity of access to that data. So, I've read yeah. articles that suggest that this would be the single biggest technical innovation in all of like <laughs> human history. Yeah, be- you know, and I think we're we're sort of coming to that realization slowly. It's funny because I work with the Toronto Library here in Toronto. I'm on this thing called the Toronto Public Library Innovation Council. And, you know, when you're, I was at their offices this week or at the at the, the reference library, which is their big headquarter library. And they were pitching us on like a new website that was going to be like more socially connected. And the, what, you know, you were going to get to know your librarian, there'd be pictures of your librarian and you could like talk with them. And we were talking about chat and live chat with your librarian and stuff. Because most people receive book recommendations through friends, and that was the library's responsibility in the past. Anyway, like on several occasions, the idea of how come the you know the library doesn't just um, can't recommend the next book that I read based on what I previously read. 
and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about there? That would mean yeah. we're not going to like store a list of the books that you've taken out. It's like, don't you do that already? Like library card wasn't like on paper. Yeah, yeah. But we don't want to bring that in the digital realm because then you know, we're doing like what Netflix or Facebook or all these companies are doing. And you're, we need, you need to be in control of your own. Yeah. And what of- you read says a lot about you. So if, if, if you all of a sudden have a government that is trying to find dissidents and yeah. they're like, Hey, this person has been reading a lot of such and such. Right. Like McCarthyist, like, Oh, yeah. you've been reading Marx. Whoa. Uh, communist, communist. We no job for communism. you. Yeah, no yeah, job yeah. for you. <laughs> but it was really, it's really interesting. Well, for them, if we talk about the- privacy, we could talk about China. But the argument I made, and maybe this is a good segue into China, which is like, if we can't trust the public library system or our government to collect data about us, right, which they do through the tax system and other things, right? Like, who can we trust? Like, why are we trusting the like the the government doesn't even trust itself, which I found really really interesting. Well, there was a thing uh, in World War Two that I don't remember the story exactly, but I think it was Denmark, and Mm -hmm. they had. uh, really long profiles on everybody where their parents were from and their parents' parents and, the, and they were really immaculate with the data collection. And so the like Nazi... Like myancestry.com? Yeah, <laughs> but in 1940s. And then the Nazis yeah. came in. It's like, okay, give us the database. And they knew exactly where to find everybody. So mm-hmm. after that, they've been very tight on uh, what data they collect as a government and try to delete things as quickly as possible. Mm. Interesting. Well, it does bring us to so China, you you, you though, could right? trust your you could trust your current government, but you don't know what's coming up. So, like you mentioned, China though, right? Like where the trust of the government is very low, <laughs> right? Like generally, uh, I would assume, given that they also just like uh, changed the law to allow uh, unlimited tenure for their leader. Um, yeah, but it has good employment benefits. There, I've heard people talk about how you can't post in a certain way. Like, they, they really control their language and, and how they speak online. But then they use, like, other platforms, and they're always ahead on VPNs and tunnels and all kinds of weird encryption technology. But they, they do have social networks, too. Like, I've never used Weibo, but isn't that, like, the equivalent of Facebook in China? And they have WeChat. That's the big one. Right. And WeChat, yeah. like, and they're, I mean, people are using that. The, the only thing I will say is asking a curator, a Japanese who's living in Shanghai, and it's like, what, what's, what are poor neighborhoods in Shanghai like? And what is, um, how much of socialism is still left? Is there healthcare for everybody? Is there, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, are poor neighborhoods dangerous? And she said, no, everything in China is safe. It's just like Japan. So there's not that idea that it, when a neighborhood is poor, that it's unsafe. All right. So that's the, the, the trade-off with a totalitarian state. Yeah, I mean, like, the same would be true of, um, no one would have said, like, Russia is unsafe. Like, the, the, your biggest danger is that the government doesn't agree with what you're doing, right? Like, Yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this, I, except I, to say, like, I, I, I don't yeah, think yeah, that's yeah. what we're I, asking I, for. I, all, but. all I'm saying, I, I'm not suggesting uh, any any political system is better or worse. Uh, I'm uh, Always seems like, to be. I always, it seems to me you're suggesting that we we should like that. There's only one option. It's totalitarianism no, or like no, no, free market no, no. capitalism. Well, I chose to be in the U.S., which is always funny when I see <laughs> uh, all the laws that are, they're uh, doing in Europe, which seem way better to me. But uh-huh. I still choose to be here. But anyway, from a personal point of view, a privacy point of view, I'm putting a lot of trust in Google, and so are you. Yeah. And that's always funny that. Um, 
I don't want to be a hypocrite, so I don't want to say like, "Hey, Facebook can't collect data," and etc. So the way I treat it, maybe that's what I'm trying to say is, for me, anything on social media is PR. It's a, it's public. It's for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not necessarily that I'm trying to sell stuff, but it's like an open studio. So I'm saying, "Hey, this is my process. This is the exhibition I'm doing." Of course, right. I want everyone to know about that. We haven't really tied this back to artists at all, though. Really, yeah. This, this whole thing. so like, what, so, th- but yeah. then there are private things that I share, which are more family photos and uh, mm-hmm. photos of if if my uh, brother has a new uh, have a new nephew or a new niece. That's more on WhatsApp, and mm-hmm. I don't expect that to leak or that information to be resold. And I'm not worried about that. And then the right. really private stuff, which is like. Your taxes and your immigration and uh, uh, your healthcare and all that kind of stuff is is on email, but it is on Google servers. But it does bring to mind like attention. What you're talking about there that I felt as an artist at different times, and I think we've talked about in previous episodes, which is like the artist today has there's like a weird pressure, in my opinion, to share increasingly intimate details about your private life. Um, I, I don't think, I think, I don't know what category of artists you're talking about, because there's still the fine art artists that uh, well, let's just think about operate in a classic let's, way. Let's think, think about musicians. Like, if you're Elvis Presley in 1960, I don't think that you're expected to talk about your mental health and your like obesity problem and like the affairs. But today you would have, you know, you would do it. There'd be a whole thing where you would get ahead of the news and you would, you know, having secrecy. So you're talking about public personas. Yeah. So public, you can't trust people now unless their public persona is like completely transparent. And so you get, but it's not transparent. It's a fabrication. Like someone might even fake mental illness to gain a certain, like they might've researched their user groups and it's like, Hey, we need to connect with the depressed kids. (laughs) No, you're absolutely right. And we talked about Amelia Allman in a previous episode and her doing that and manipulating that perception of like, this is the truth. This is the reality. Right. Um, and that we're all performing yeah. most of the time. But what, what I'm saying, a big part of the art world, and especially the the, the art market heavy kind of artists, like mm-hmm. like an artist like Mark Grochon, uh, I don't know how you pronounce his name. Do you know him? No, no, no. Well, well I did. I didn't know about him either. He's an abstract painter, and it turns out that he's like one of the biggest selling artists uh, right now. And mm-hmm. I didn't know much about him. I, I'm not. I don't care for his paintings that much. But he's the classic sort of hidden. Uh, don't say too much, uh, only mm. talk to the right people. It, there's no privacy issues there. There's no public persona. Uh. Is that contemporary? Because, you know, in branding, yeah. which I, you know, I've worked in branding a lot. Or, or like, do, the, do you know Callum Innes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like artists like that. Like, what do you know about Callum Innes personally? Or what do you know from his Facebook? How many kids does he have? What school do they go to? And whatever. I I guess maybe there's two modes, but like, like definitely. I'm, in, yeah, I'm just you, talking about you, that classic art world. Uh, rich people thing where you just don't know anything and maybe it's better if we don't talk about uh for a second anyway like in not about um high art or contemporary art but like think about um a musician not that that's not high but you know what i'm saying like well you're you're talking about artists that have to reach a large number of people because uh, art market artists only have to reach about a hundred people Here's an example, which is like Philip Glass, you know, he's a musician, a very highly respected um, composer, right? Um, he was a plumber for a long time, right? But like, and, you and know, a taxi driver. Yeah. Yeah, taxi driver, all this stuff. But like, he, you know, he kept that hidden. Uh, and so, like, people, 
you were like, wow, he's just like an incredible composer. He's making a wonderful living from composing. Uh, but, you know, today, I think Philip Glass, everyone would know he was a plumber. He'd be like, can you believe? It's like Susan Boyle or whatever. This, like, this like plumber has such a beautiful gift Well, you, you kept your day job hidden for a while, and you still had a public persona. I, I did keep it hidden. I'm, what I'm saying is, like, I just don't think that, that like, if you look at where uh, corporate brands are going, the fastest growing brands are these transparent brands. So um, Everlane is an example of that, uh, where they have this concept of radical transparency. And whether or not it's true, it's what consumers are demanding. I'm just saying, like, audiences now demand a level mm-hmm. of scrutiny over uh, the companies they work with, the artists that they follow. Um, to be transparent. So like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Sp- specifically now also like in a post Harvey Weinstein kind of era, um, I think that you've got to like, you know, there's going to be no privacy for you. Well, like, are you like your people are just generally suspicious and they, they have a right to be like, there was a story here in Toronto this week where this guy, um, who I know who has a startup here, he was found to have been placing cameras in his female colleagues' home and recording like everything they were doing. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Uh, and so he, he was arrested for voyeurism, which I was like, I've never even, I didn't even know that was still <laughs> like a <laughs> peeping Tom. It seems really yeah. 50s, yeah. Yeah, and it was like, but he's doing it's it like in a back to the future. Yeah. It's like coordinated things. And then I realized, wait a second, you know, I know another person who's doing that. It's fucking Amazon. <laughs> like, they've got they've got cameras in millions of homes and microphones in millions of homes and have you know definitely said that we're, they're they're saying we're not listening but they're storing all of the clips uh, like in their server on their servers and, right? and so you and you gave through. you gave an echo to all of your family members and to your wife for Valentine's Day. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I mean I did it because I thought it would be an interesting social. Are, are there Alexa skills? that you could install if you want to spy on your spouse. And you're like, Alexa, install Keep On Listening app. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Send me everything you hear. Yeah. Like, or like, yeah, detect like uh, suspicious language. <laughs> like that. Yeah. If ever she that mentions funny, my like, name, please th- th- record There's that. a lot of scandals of companies and data, but you never hear about Facebook leaking your stuff to other companies, but they, yeah. Well, they I, I guess their business model is not to sell user data to other, because they're selling. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's the key weakness of Facebook is that they're not selling anything else except your data and that the other companies, they're selling lots of other stuff so they don't have to, yeah. Hmm. That's yeah. the key weakness of, of Facebook. Like my bottom line good point, though, is like the guy that was arrested here, you know, for putting cameras in people's homes, it, like he's a voyeur. So is fucking Facebook. Facebook's like a voyeur. And it just so happens we kind of agree, yeah. but we didn't. We didn't. You didn't agree to everything that they said. That they, yeah, that, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's what I come back to is it's, it's really weird to me when people are upset that their social information is available. It's like, why else would you put it on the Internet? Well, but it gets really argument, different yeah. when it's your medical ID and your tax uh, documents. I don't know. If you found out that you're you were living in a building and they put a, a camera in your toilet because they wanted... <laughs> I don't know yeah, but, to th- but out, that's but what like, I mean. Like, I don't share uh, images of me in the bathroom, but I do share images of me having brunch. Yeah, but those are all choices you make when, yeah. when they're not your choices, right? Yeah, like, yeah but Facebook, it, it, you're saying, what do you share on Facebook that you want to keep hidden? That's what I'm saying. 
I'm saying that like they would f- there there's information about how I behave because you when you log into Facebook you log into the Facebook internet yeah, yeah, yeah. that I'm that they they have that I'm not aware that they have right and yeah. I think that it's but just the, like, that's the whole thing with cookies that uh, even Google and other companies and even if you let's say that you visit the Pirate Bay or whatever website mm-hmm. and they probably have a million trackers of all kinds of different weird companies. They're yeah. just following you around on the internet. Well, in fact, I'm cool with that. But it's like, it's the moment at which they're like, oh, hey, a Russian spy or like, hey, nefarious person. Why do you like, you know, they've trusted us to do that, to follow them and do all this stuff. Could you use this as well? And I think that it's a very basic. Uh, has equation. there been any artists who sort of uh, did a project where they spied on people and acted as the bad guy and not as the good guy because artists always want to be the good guy like if they want to make a political statement but they're like oh no we we, i did my you museum project where i follow you around with banners yeah but you you did not target people and then reveal that they were looking at bad stuff no i didn't i haven't yeah i haven't done like a data breach kind of i'll reveal your data there's a there's an artist that uh, revealed a bunch of CIA data. Uh, her name is uh, Jill. Is it Jill Majid? I'm not sure. Uh, she she managed to get become like an artist in residence at the CIA, and then um, <laughs> reveal like cer- a bad idea. <laughs> reveal certain aspects. Who came up with that at residency. <laughs> And they, they, she made work about it, like, because um, they also have this like radical transparency. Yeah, but they also they they threaten to kill you if you reveal a certain date. Like they have an expression like "I'll burn your face off" or something ridiculous. <laughs> I can't remember what it is that she's used in her work. So yeah, I think that um, I've heard of a few people, but nothing. I'm sure there's like a there's some digital era thing our yeah, listeners yeah, have probably yeah. he- heard about. But the government of the governments in Europe are the are the number one artists in that regard and that they you know if you're in europe you can just request hey facebook like give me all the data you collected on me and yeah. they're it, required by law that's, to print it out and send it to you by mail it, it it's funny to me that whenever artists make political art it's uh, almost always make the world a better place and in music it's very common to sing about death and destruction and uh, man is Despair. evil yeah, mm-hmm. I don't see that so much in art. Someone making political art saying, "Hey, we should kill more people." But it's very <laughs> common in music to, to sing songs and like people are evil. Let's kill them all. Like hateful. I mean, you listen to a lot of metal. I think that might be biasing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But why do I not see that in visual art when people? Are like, yeah, man is destructive. We should get rid of it. And, uh, I think. I mean. Because people get lost in the tune of the music, they forget. Like I think, yeah, especially if the li- if the lyrics are not uh, legible, uh, uh, listen, you can't hear them. Cause yeah, the equivalent. Yeah, the equivalent in art is like stand up comedy, probably. Where yeah, but I'm talking about a sort in. of nihilistic, and it doesn't have to be overt metal. But it, like, mm-hmm. even David Bowie saying like, rock and roll is nihilistic, and it, it it's mm-hmm. supposed to be. It's supposed to be. It, it should. It should uh, upset your parents, and I'm saying political mm-hmm. art rarely. Like, and, right. and, and political art is always like, yes, I agree, that's a good idea. <laughs> it's never like, whoa, whoa, take it easy. We don't need uh, uh, yeah. uh, mass murder. Well, well so you're, there's one last good point that I kind of wanted to make, which is that like this idea of being private is rel- of privacy is relatively new. A, it's like post having property, but. There was a time just as electricity was sort of being invented that the rich and wealthy wanted to be gazed at, um, wanted to be seen, 
uh, wanted like so they basically they would stay up all night and this concept of a flaneur emerged from of a person who walks around at night and looks in the windows of wealthy people's homes just like you would um, look in a department store window yeah exactly like looking in a department store window and they're sort of like we're kind of back in that moment i believe with like like that's where I was saying like I don't think you have a choice whether you reveal certain aspects of your life you're, you're I th- forced to I think perform. you're I think you're not in the art world you're not paying attention to the sort of art world gossip where it's there is a lack of privacy there is gossip like any community but it's really mm-hmm. only a hundred people talking to each other <laughs> yeah I'm just saying I don't I don't I think like uh Every, no, I don't think this is this is like the bourgeoisie anymore. I think everyone has this feeling that like I don't have a choice anymore, and I don't want the I I want to have some control over what's going on, um, and I don't, and, and I think that's what we're that's what we're feeling. But this this topic of radical transparency is interesting because the the art world um, is built on the idea oh, yeah. of exclusivity and and low production, so you have to feel like you only have. So let's take the Damien Hirst uh, dot paintings, for example. Mm-hmm. It, it's cooler if there's only a hundred of them, but then he made a catalog, turns out there's thousands of them. Um, mm-hmm. So this idea that you keep a small community and you keep everyone in the dark, that's the business model. So it's, it's, right. it's a, it, the, the, the business model thrives on privacy. Right, like no one knows how many Warhols exist because the Warhol Foundation releases <laughs> yeah. them yeah. a few times uh, like a few a, a year, right? Yeah, and it's a weird balance where if there's not enough works, you don't have a market, you don't have fluidity. But if there's mm-hmm. too many works, then it, it, it all drops. You mean liquidity or yeah, what is yeah. fluidity? Uh, liquidity, mm-hmm. yeah. And, it, yeah. and, and the, there's an example. I'm blanking out. So go ahead. No, no. I, I, I think what you're talking about is very interesting. In the art world anyway, secrecy and secrecy, privacy. Secrecy, that's the word. Yeah, yeah. Go hand in they're, hand they're with creating value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If they were like an online social network, it would be almost, it would be very boring. Well, it would I mean. collapse, I think. But it, it's all like, there's something, triple D, death, divorce, and debt, something like that. Mm-hmm. That's the only times when masterpieces appear on the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, And otherwise, everything's very hidden. It's like, yeah, I know someone's trying to sell it, but they don't want anyone to know that they're selling because they don't want to look poor. Yeah, I mean, even all of the galleries, as we've talked about previously, like they pretend like they're they made money at the fair, or they pretend that this artist is doing is really hot right now. There's a lot of like performance uh, yeah. for appearances, and so if there was um, full transparency, if there was like a, a a website where you could see every art sale and every resale. Well, I know a bunch of startups that are trying to do that, and I always say like, oh, good luck with that. Like you're you know, good luck destroying the art. <laughs> like the poor shambles it's built on yeah, yeah. <laughs> because at its at its core the the, the objects are valueless un, unless people believe in them that's right yeah it's like currency and basically. then to create belief you have to have a suspension of disbelief like for a while you have to pretend it's valuable and then mm-hmm. it becomes valuable but that's why I think like a wh- you know whistleblowers come along every couple of years in the art world and they're like whoa 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 people do you know this is what's happening and then everyone's like yeah yeah that's how it works I mean, uh, do you want to get you know do you want access to this elite club or not like uh, like it sounds like you don't well we're not going to invite you uh, so it's basically you know it's all built on gatekeepers as uh, and I mean it's still, they're at like yeah. private clubs are very similar to this right like um, if you go to like a wealthy golf club or country club or something like that right. Um, it's it's so, not like they're being transparent. So our conclusion about what's going is on. that privacy is only for the wealthy. 
that that's an interesting conclusion. Yes, those with power have ultimate rights over privacy, and and every it, once it, it in a while, like there's a Jennifer wonder, Lawrence or something. Yeah, it always makes me wonder the the tech titans, like the the Bezos and the Elon Musk and all those people. Can they have a, a sort of private uh, debauchery and like a weird sort of uh, eyes wide shut kind of life, or is is well, is our world so transparent now that any misstep they make, they're accountable? And they're well, I think you know we didn't we didn't even talk about WikiLeaks and all of these. You know, yeah, over yeah, the last yeah. ten years, Panama like, Papers and Panama Papers and leaks that go back, you know, uh, uh, political leaking and that kind of political. Uh, overturning of privacy has gone on for forever um and yeah. the, that was traditionally the news media's responsibility actually was like to like uncover what was really happening or really going on right um now it's like the citizens responsibility theoretically it seems like uh, to do that but it's always going to come down to i think those in power versus those without power um but it's it's, in this it's particular harder case, now Facebook to keep things hidden like yeah like, sure. I, i'm saying if zuckerberg has a weird fetish and uh, somehow it leaks there's there's images mm. of him, uh, I don't know, having sex with the stuffed animals. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, like big, it's hard to keep things hidden. Well, the, I mean, the bigger problem is like you have a president who <laughs> I don't know if we want to go here. It's like where all this stuff is revealed, and we're like, well, there's there's, well, there's just like there's the normal world and there's a Trump world where the, the laws don't apply. <laughs> like and anyone who is near him who does that kind of stuff gets fired immediately and can never get a job. And the more he mm. does this stuff, the more popular. So it's yeah. yeah, the world's upside down. Okay, well that's a great place to end <laughs> this episode. Yeah. I'm just curious, um, all these tech titans, if they have a really weird side life, they, they have a public persona, and then there's these companies that are like, we can give you a personal life, and you can be yourself. And well, I can, I mean, I can speak knowing quite a few CEOs that um, oh, you're, at times... You're giving us very- a little look behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah, that it can be quite uncomfortable. Like I know my own, yeah, you know, the the CEO with with whom I have a, the closest relationship. He didn't tell me, you know, his partner was pregnant. He didn't tell me he was engaged or married. And so, I've asked him at different times. He's like, I, you know, it's like I have to reveal so much about myself. I, you know, I want to keep certain aspects of my life private um, because I'm always on uh, kind of thing. So I, I do think that these. It's interesting because, like, just because you choose to be a leader or choose. Or what if power doesn't choose you? Like we've been talking about Zuckerberg. I don't want to really empathize or sympathize with him, but like, no, maybe I know Facebook what you mean. Just I know like, what you mean. You know, you know, Facebook grew around him. It started and as I think a prank. Wolf- he didn't yeah, think, oh, I'm going to influence world politics. Right, and I think like maybe the bottom line good point is here is that sometimes these people get in over their head. I think he's got to put his hand up and say like, I'm not capable of solving this. <laughs> like I, I've but, gone way too far. Yeah, uh, or, it seems know. that he is interested in power. So. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I guess he might run. I don't think he... Remember um, a few months ago we were talking about him running for president? No, I, I don't think he's happen. interested in that power. He's more like, okay, I'll just influence everything. Because if you can only influence the U.S., he can influence politics in the whole world. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into uh, field recording because I think it's like... <laughs> like <laughs> I mean, I, I, are you going to... like? Bottom line is, are you going to delete Facebook? I already did a while ago, but I, I'm still going to use WhatsApp and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Did I mean did did you 
Do you still enjoy Facebook? How much do you enjoy Facebook? No, I don't, I don't, I'm not. But I, that's the thing. I don't use it, so I don't think I'm going to delete it. I just it's like basically it's like a junk drawer from 2008 or something like that, where I have all of or 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 2012, where I have all these old memories that, and it's like I check in once a day where for that thing at the top of the feed where it says "Remember this," <laughs> and I'm always like, "Oh, that's yeah. great!" It's like a little well, little memory it, it box. just just to, uh, maybe this is interesting from a product design point of view. My first step of removing myself from Facebook was because I would get lots of messages from work-related messages. Mm -hmm. People like, hey, do you want to do an interview? Do you want to do a lecture? Whatever. In Facebook. And I was like, can you send this to my email? And then they don't. Because I like to have everything in one place and archived. And and the the messaging product of uh, Facebook was such a mess that I don't want to keep track of professional work-related things which actually have invoices and financial agreements in a shitty chat app. So my first step was to only have a public page. That's why I removed my personal page. Mm -hmm. And the only way to do that was I had to unfriend everybody Mm -hmm. and like put a message and say like, hey, if you want to see what I'm up to, here's my public page. Mm -hmm. Then I had my public page and basically I hate using Facebook. I hate the aesthetics and everything about it. So I would mostly use Instagram and just forward that. And then I would see that every post on Instagram would have a 10 times higher engagement than on Facebook. But yeah, I, I was still exactly. like, it. I don't have to do anything for it. I can just forward it there. And yeah. at some point, I, I think it was just time for a cleanup. And I was like, I don't want this half active thing that I'm not using going around and it kind of looks sloppy. So it was almost like a... And I also felt... It was really my... A uh, quest for cleaning up. I love deleting stuff in general. So then I also wanted to delete Twitter, but I was like, oh, there's all these people here and they're following me. And why not post something every now and then? And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like that's what uh, Elon Musk did too. He deleted both of the Tesla Facebook yeah, pages. Yeah, exactly. Because he said, oh, what's that? Oh, it looks like shit. That, it was mm-hmm. an aesthetic choice. <laughs> and I think <laughs> that's part of the appeal for me for, for Instagram. That it's still aesthetically, it's basically a, a white scroll with square images. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not that messy. It, they added some stuff, but I wish they would delete stories. But uh, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it'd be nice like if you stories, could turn yeah. features on and off. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Okay, I think we've maxed this out. Um, let's read our... Should we go into a field recording? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Hi, Jeremy. Also, um, I, I wanted to do an ad. I just came up with it. So here's the what? here's the ad, because nobody sent in an ad. My ad is <laughs> okay. eat more vegetables. Oh. That's my okay. ad. So you, you don't have to eat less meat. You don't have to eat less candy. But I think if you eat more vegetables, you'll automatically eat less of the bad stuff. So just eat more vegetables. Okay. Great, great advice, Raph. I can't yeah. argue with that. Okay, hi, Jeremy. Thanks for your amazing podcast. Please forward some love to Raphael. Hey, Raph, there's Thank some love. Thank you. Um, have you ever been to an all-inclusive hotel where heterosexual, mostly all-white, nuclear families from Scandinavian countries go to escape harsh, dark winters? Where hundreds of men, women, and children gather at all-inclusive buffets for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? This is what it sounds like. (laughs) From a hotel called Ocean Beach Club at Grand Canaria, recorded in December 2017. All the best from Stockholm, 
uh, Sarah Kamen. Well, thanks, Sarah. Yeah, maybe I we really, should do an episode uh, about food buffets. That would be a good time. I mean, yeah, yeah, I could go on for hours <laughs> <laughs> to get to wet our appetites. Uh, let's listen to this field recording from Sarah. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sarah, for sending this in, and thanks to others. We still have uh, a, a great list of uh, people have been sending in field recordings, but continue to do I, so. I don't know what's we'll get the to them. equivalent of see you, hear you next week. Yeah, hear hear you. Yeah, well, we'll be back next week. Yeah, <laughs> and um, always exciting to talk to you, Raphael. And uh, who yeah. knows what will happen in, in the next week of Facebook? <laughs> well, <laughs> of the stay meltdown. tuned. Okay, thanks everyone. Bye bye. Uh, have a good week. Bye. Enjoy MySpace. <laughs>